Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, sometimes it was frustrating because they'd be like, oh, why is a Chinese singer winning the Australian <laughs> oh X? I'm like, dude, yeah. like at least get the facts right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and like there, there were like rumours that like, oh, the people in her country voted for her. I'm like, no, sorry, like I wish they do, but no one cares. Like, it's expensive <laughs> to vote from Korea, <laughs> exactly. man. Exactly. <laughs> and like I think Koreans, yeah, not many Koreans actually voted because they're cheap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> Hello and welcome to Lemon's Weekly In Conversation. On today's episode, we are joined by a trailblazer in the entertainment industry. Dami Im first came to our screens in 2013, where she went on to win the entire X Factor competition. Despite her crazy talented vocal cords, people felt the need to voice her opinion that she did not deserve to win because she looks Chinese, even though she was actually born in South Korea. When you think of Asian representation in media, how many people can you actually think of? Not many, right? So like most Asians in Western countries, we looked at Dam because she's on the forefront of creating representation in mainstream media. She has even gone on to having a number one single and album, as well as earning us our highest placement as runner-up on Eurovision. We hope you enjoyed this chat as much as we did. Yeah, so yeah. tell us, so what have you been up to this this week? Because I know it's been crazy. You've been everywhere, like on radio, on TV. This week, um, yeah, so my new single came out last Friday. So it's just been lots of promo. Um, yeah, doing interviews and going on TV shows and chatting with people on the radio and things like that. So, yeah, mainly that. And then, you know, also in the background working on the next one mm. and um, – you know, just uh, far off. Um, well, no, it's not far off. No, I don't think so. it's <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> so we ask all of our guests. You know, um, what are you listening or watching to watching? Um, what have I been listening to? I mean, I just like just going on Spotify and like discovering different artists. Um, but yeah. Oh, actually, well, since you guys, this is like the Asian thing. Um, do you know? Akmu? Akmu, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, 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 making a comeback. Yeah. I know, I'm really, yeah. really excited about that. And um, yeah, so I was just like listening to them. Yeah. They disappeared for so long. Was she yeah. the one that was on a competition as well? Yeah, they with were. With her sibling? Or with her brother. With her yeah. brother, yeah. that's yeah, yeah, it, yes. Yeah. 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 Her brother just They're came like, from the army, I think. Yeah, oh, that's nice. it. And like um, he's, the brother, Chanyong, is like, he's a really good songwriter. And, you know, the sister's obviously like, she's she's amazing singer and, you know, personality as well, even though they're tiny and like young. But um. Yeah, so I've just been listening to that um, on Netflix. This is weird. Like I'm, I've sort of went off a lot of the Korean stuff, culture stuff for a while, and then now I'm kind of more back into it. And I started watching this new Korean drama on Netflix. What's it called? It's called. Um, it's a brand new one. I didn't realize they only uh, have released up to. Um, two episodes, and oh, I was like, "No, that's the, the worst." Next one. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> and now I gotta wait. Like yes. I'm hostage to them. It's called. Uh, it's um, the the flower. Oh my gosh! It's like in Korean. It's called Tong uh, So like this is a new one with Kong um, Yo Jin, which mm. she's like a famous actress. And yeah, 
What's, what's the show about? It's like a, it's really interesting. She's like a single mom who moves into this like tiny old country town and opens a bar and then, you know, all the th- things that happen because it's still like taboo to be a single mom. And then I think she gets murdered in oh, the wow. future. Oh, so wow. they're kind of sort of <laughs> hinting. I know. <laughs> it's like all like cute and pretty, but then they kind of kind of hint that she's going to die. So, right, yeah, yeah, that's where it's at. So you, you're like Australia's like most famous K-pop fan. So <laughs> what what band, what up, what new band are you most excited about? Because there's quite, quite a few bands that I know oh. that you're into. Well, so I've been so obsessed. This is not a new band, but I'm so obsessed with Somme. <gasps> yes. I love As, Somme. Yeah, yes. She's Wonder, Wonder Girls. Girls. Yeah. 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 She's like the thing hey like yeah. she's incredible um her songs her look her personality everything about her i think it's just so cool and i just love when k-pop artists find their own voice and they start doing things you know in their own terms and you can you can tell you know she's so original and mm. um yeah and then of course like i'm just like learning about the new ones and like, I mean, of course like everyone loves stray kids mm-hmm. um and there's itzy and um yeah i'm there's just a, yeah there's a lot coming out these heaps days coming out and yeah. then I'm, I'm actually going to korea to do a festival in october and like some of these guys are gonna be there so i'm like oh my gosh and i'm, I'm gonna you know i'm gonna listen to all their songs and <laughs> i'll be like fangirling when i get there and you're also a huge um fan of boa as well Oh, yeah. Yes. Did you She's, ever thought about back in the day that you wanted to become a K-pop star or? Um, I think everyone does at some point in their lives. You know, when you get into K-pop or, you know, Asian pop, you're like, you dream that like, oh, maybe one day I can be one of them. Um, yeah, but like in high school, I used to like just learn all her songs, look up all her videos. And it wasn't like, I don't think YouTube was even around, but I used to just on the internet, like on the different sites, just like download all the videos, anything I can find. And um, that's how I started singing by like recording her songs at home on my computer and sounding shit, sounding really (laughs) not good. And, and um, also trying to do her choreography, which didn't go so well. Um, Yeah. But she's like, she's like my First love, man. Like she's real. Like I had a huge crush. <laughs> what was it like meeting her? Because she's like a childhood idol, and you got to meet her. So what was that like? Uh, that was. I, it still feels like it was a dream or something. Because I, I really, honestly, wasn't expecting she was going to be that. Like I didn't know I was meeting her. It was like a surprise thing that um, Danny Minogue and like the Channel Seven team organized for me. And so when when that was when that was happening, I was just like shaking, and I'm like, I, I don't even know what I said. I think I was like, oh. <laughs> it was yeah, can't believe it. Yeah, you moved from Korea to Brisbane when you were younger, right? What's your earliest memory growing up in in Queensland? Earliest memory? Well, I think it was really warm. Like we came in summer and. I actually thought it was a holiday. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was. Your parents tricked you into coming. Yeah, to kind of, <laughs> kind of. I was only nine years old, so when I came, it was like, you know, ooh, it's like another holiday, and just like swimming, and they took us to the zoo and petting the kangaroo and whatever, and then 
Yeah, and then having to go to school, I was like, what do you mean I'm going to go to school? And then, you know, I didn't speak English, so it was like trying to fudge my way into, yeah, making friends and blending in and... What's yeah. it like, you know, growing up in Korea, you know, because when, you, when you're Korea, you, everyone around you looks like you, but then you go to in school, in a school in Australia, it's so multicultural, you see all these different faces, were you confused as a child? Like, Especially if you don't speak the language as well? or Yeah, I was so confused. I was like, you know, I just, it just looked so foreign and it, it obviously I was the foreigner, but I'm like, wow, these people all look you know, so different to me and, and um, it's, it's funny, like I don't remember the details but, but then afterwards once I got used to it and I go back to Korea now or from time to time, that was when I noticed like, oh my gosh, these people look like me, you know, everybody sort of looks like me, I blend in and they speak my language, like that was more weird going back and being like, everyone looks like someone I know because they look, they all look Korean, you know? Mm. Was the school mostly like multicultural or was, because my school was like all Asian. So oh, I always really? felt like I, I was the majority. Did you grow up here? I grew up no. here, yeah, in Melbourne. Yeah. But I grew up in like an Asian suburb. Right. So then everyone in my school was Asian. So I never felt like I was the odd one out. But I can imagine if you went to like a multicultural school with, you know, with lots of different races, you wouldn't feel the same was that the case yeah. for you my or? school was it was a tiny school we only had one class per year level wow it's wow. really small so small and i was the only asian in my class and in the whole school there were about four asians um my brother was the other one and my co- two cousins <laughs> <laughs> did you guys kind of like ha- did you guys like kind of hang out together we, or? T- we couldn't really because we were all in different year levels so yeah like I, yeah, we were kind of separated. So I had to just figure my way out. And yeah, for me, music helped a lot because I was already, you know, I've already been learning piano since I was five. So I got to play piano at assembly once. And then that's when people were like, oh, She's wow. a piano girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's good at something, you know. Oh, she looked so dumb. You know, yeah. I, that's what I'm thinking. And I think that's when I was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is... You know, this is how I can make up for all the, you know, times that I look dumber than other people. I mean, now you've made it as our Australian superstar and you go back to Korea quite often. Do you find that you resonate more with your Asian culture or your Australian culture? Mm, I think it's, it's really, for me, a bit of both. I know it's, it's, or it's either, if, if I'm being optimistic, I'm both. If I'm not, I'm neither, you know, and sometimes... I think everyone can relate to this, like f- people with different backgrounds. Like sometimes you're just like, I'm not, I don't fit in anywhere. You know, you just feel a bit excluded because you're so different. You're like in Australia where we get told that you're Asian here. But then if you go to your, like, for example, I'm from Cambodia. I go to Cambodia. They're like, you're not Cambodian because yeah. you don't speak Cambodian. Exactly. You, like you sound funny. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's me. Like my English, you know, like I feel like I, I'm still kind of sitting at like 70% no capacity. Way. Yeah, no totally. Way. I'm like, I, I still don't know so many expressions and I'm just like, eh, pretending. <laughs> and then when I speak Korean, I'm, I'm fluent, but I thought I was fluent. I thought I was like perfect, you know, but then I try to do like interviews in Korean and I sound like a primary school kid. <laughs> and I'm so aware of that. Like, it's not like I don't know. I'm like, 
crap, like I sound like so uneducated yeah. because I am. Like in, I, I wasn't educated in Korean. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird Yeah, it is a weird one. Thing. It's when we go to another country, we can't fit in. When we're back at home, we can't fit in either. So mm. it's like a, we can't win. Identity crisis. Yeah, a bit of identity yeah. crisis. Yeah, and I think that's why like – you know, like you guys were talking about uh, subtle Asian traits mm, and yes, that, like yep. people connect so much there because we're like another breed of people where we don't fit in anywhere. Yeah, and we're like, like, oh my gosh, like you guys. Yeah, Asian people have been trying to fit in everywhere else and then we finally found a place where we're like, oh my God, but there's actually other people like us. <laughs> and that's why everyone kind of came together. Yeah, and and I think I, I love that, you know, I feel like Asian culture is finally finding this voice in the western culture you know with the movie um crazy rich asians and then like you know like more coming out since then i think like for in my opinion i think we were sort of trying to just ditch our asian culture and blend into this mainstream western culture until now we're like now we're like, hang on a second, like we, we got this. We shouldn't be ashamed of our own culture using chopsticks and, you know, our parents and like all oh, this different culture. Like other other people are proud of their culture, so why can't we and still fit in this society with pride about our own, own culture? So Absolutely, yeah. I, I and love that phenomenon. Exactly. And like you said, the Crazy Rich Asian, it's such a big magnitude that movies, singers like yourself – it's kind of representing a lot of other people who's having a bit of like an identity crisis who can't feel like it, like themselves, I guess. Mm. And moving forward to the X Factor, once you won it, you've actually represented a lot more people, I think, than you realised. And also, when I was watching this show, I had a bit of an inkling, especially when you won your season. The first person that you thanked was God. <laughs> Do you feel that your faith has shaped who you are as a person? Yeah, absolutely. Like faith is, you know really big part of who I am and I guess when I went on the X Factor I had come from this background where like I wasn't just the you know the Korean immigrant but I also was the Korean church what I mean is I feel like I came from a really small world where I just mostly hung out with Korean immigrants from my church and so the rest of the world and the culture the mainstream culture was just so foreign to me even though I'm from here like I didn't grow up listening to any of the songs that the other people grew up listening to and all the movies or like I was very like in a in a little bubble and so when I won the X Factor I was like you know I, I was like what does this even mean but I mean only thing sure that I was holding on to is that, you know, God sent me out for a purpose. And, you know, I was always taught from my church that you've got to um, become influential and go and like be a good witness and everything. And I'm trying to figure out what that means. Like <laughs> it's, it's, um it's easy to say that when you're inside the church, but then when you're, when I'm actually outside and among all the, the mainstream people and the culture, it's like, wow, what can I actually do? And, and yeah, it's been a it's been a wild journey. Mm, it's it's funny how you mentioned that because I actually came from the opposite spectrum. I went to a public school and then I went to a private Christian school and the world was so different. Wow. I went from being so exposed to such a very niche community. Right. And the transition for me was actually quite tricky because the worlds are so different. Yeah. Even, yeah, being a Christian Asian. Going to church, it's so different than going to somewhere else. Right. Do you find that working in media as well 
being a singer-songwriter superstar that <laughs> it sometimes clashes with your faith? I guess so. I mean, hmm. I, I, I just think it can be tricky to open up and be yourself and you just don't know how other people are going to take it when you, you know, like people say, oh, you know, it's we're inclusive society, like we accept you for who you are. But then when you say, oh, I'm Christian, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like we get become a bit too Jesusy for people, and they just kind of take a step back as well. Yeah, and yeah. and so you know, like you don't want to preach in people's faces, yeah. and I I don't do that. But yeah, just like still being proud of the faith and the truth that I know, but then also being humble and accepting of other people. I think that can be yeah, that can be the tricky part. Yeah, you're you're a prime example for someone who is displaying your values through your actions. Like you you know you're. S- Compassion, for example, is such a big part of what you do. So I feel like, yeah, definitely with what you're saying about Christian, you know, being labelled whatever, being too preachy. I think, yeah, you've done such a great job at doing that. And yeah, so it's it's hard, but I think compassion is a really good example because, yeah, like they don't, you know, try and change people in the way that, like, they don't go, oh, you've got to be a Christian to receive our help or you've got to do this to be part of compassion. They're accepting, but everyone knows that they are doing it in Jesus' name. So, you know, I think, yeah, just, yeah, like you said, Mm. feel like you're just doing things with your action rather than just preaching in people's faces probably Mm. works better. Could you explain a bit more about compassion? Because I know that's an organisation that you're very um, tied to as well. So what does compassion actually do? So compassion is... Uh, a little bit like World Vision, I think is more well known, uh, where they, they um, help children living in poverty by one-on-one sponsorship. So you can sponsor a child in one of the countries where you know the child is living in poverty without any hope. Their parents cannot provide for them, and so um, I've been sponsoring uh, through Compassion since I was seventeen, and. Yeah, I just thought, wow, this is really cool. Like you can actually make a difference without doing anything crazy. You just have to have that relationship with them and, you know, send them a bit of money. Um, yeah, but then I became the ambassador when I won the X Factor because, um, yeah, when I won, Noah, my husband, was like, we should, we should, you know, make the most of this platform and what can we do? Let's do something with compassion and compassion – we're really excited about that, and yeah, we've been doing it since. And went we went to visit our kids in Uganda and India and in the Philippines twice. And yeah, it's 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 really good. Like I just love what they do. So absolutely, and it's quite refreshing to see someone who's made it in the in the music industry who is publicly giving back as well and it's showing that other people can actually do the same so what you're doing is actually extremely incredible oh, how many kids you. do you have now you've, you've we, got eight don't you eight yeah, or, we, eight yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ooh, you've done your research <laughs> yeah no compassion's really good and you know I, I love getting to go and meet them in person because you're like wow they actually exist they're real you know it's not just some a name on a paper yeah and then the funny thing is the kids, when they see you, they're like, oh, my gosh, you're real. <laughs> it's the same. They, they go, oh, you're just like a paper and a name. And, yeah, so that's incredible. I just want to go back to X Factor a bit. So what made you actually want to go audition for X Factor? So that was 2013. And by that time, I 
that was a few years after I decided that I was going to be a professional singer. That's that's my dream. And so um, I was, you know, I'd finished my degree in contemporary voice at the con and then I was getting odd gigs here and there. Um, I was singing mainly at churches, you know, and in Korea as well, doing like youth camps and things like that. And then I, I thought I knew it was time for me to take the next step. Like I needed to do something now, you know, something brave to just give it a go while I was, you know, still young and, you know, before. I thought, oh, my gosh, when I'm 30, it's the end. <laughs> so I better do it. I was like 24 and yeah, like X Factor, I didn't even know much about that show. I, I watched a little bit of it, but I just didn't know. But I thought, okay, this is the talent thing. Scary, but I'm just going to see if it could benefit me in some way, you know, give me a little bit of exposure so I can get some more of those gigs at churches and stuff. And and then, yeah, it just went really well. <laughs> I just thought it I'd... okay for you. Yeah, I expected honestly like one or two, you know, moments on that TV show and that was my aim and then it just, yeah, I ended up doing very well. (laughs) (laughs) Winning and then going on to Eurovision as well. So what was, was it very different from X Factor? Was it a lot more pressure, I guess? Eurovision, yeah, it was insane. Like, you know, the scale of it was just so big. Like, I mean, there's like 40 something countries that have been involved since the 19, was it like 70s or something? Yeah, like where Celine Dion, or, ABBA was on. Yeah. yeah, so they've got this history and this huge culture around it where, uh, you know, some European countries treat it like their religion and it's they actually do that. Yeah, like, they're like, like you know, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they go from it like year from year, like just people are obsessed. So just being a part of that was you know, incredible. You're just like part of something so big and to represent Australia. Like I did put so much pressure on myself because, yeah, I think. Wow. Like what kind of preparation do you have to do? Preparation? Well, you got to. So I, I went there two weeks before the actual shows. And I mean, I, by that stage, I'd been doing all the press and you know, different things in Australia. But this is just when I went over in in Stockholm. There were just rehearsals after rehearsals, not just rehearsals, but like proper TV rehearsals where you're on that stage doing the same thing over and over. And then also there's all these uh, media interviews from all over the world happening everywhere. And then there's different performances in, you know, like the Euro clubs that go off every night. And then there's Euro Village, there's embassy parties. So... Just like so much happening leading up to the actual TV performance. Were you nervous at all? Because there's, there's like how much people, like 80,000 people in that stadium, right? Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And then 200 million <laughs> watching yeah, no pressure, live, yeah. you know? And you just like, you know, I remember just staring at barrel of the camera going, oh my gosh, everyone's watching. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty nerve wracking and, you know, yeah, I just, I, I knew it was an important performance. But then when I heard the audience cheer in that stadium, it was, I think it was the biggest roar I've ever heard. Like, I've seen fan cams. Yeah. It's crazy. It is yeah, crazy, yeah. right? Like, it's next level. I've, like, I've never experienced anything like that since, you know, it's crazy. And so that gave me like that rush. Rush and an yeah. excitement. Yeah. And, you know, my nervous energy became like excitement energy. And I think I was so nervous for the semi final more than the grand final because I'm like, imagine if I don't get through. Like, 
I'm going to let all my team down and Australia down. <laughs> I just, yeah, I was carrying so much on my shoulders, I think. And I'm just like, ah, yeah, I've got to be 100%. Yeah, you did incredible. And even Phil was telling me how he was betting on you as well. Oh, yeah. We must just bet, place a bet on, on Eurovision that you were going to win. Did you? Yeah. And then, oh, no. Like, I'm sorry. No, no, don't. You let us down. We're so, we're did you so, lose a lot of money? No, just a, just a couple of <laughs> dollars. No, but like I remember we were, we were woke up at 6 a.m. And then because we were working, so we, we work at a bakery. So then we're like, okay, we're going to place a bet on Dami, watch it live. And then – um, as the points were coming up, you're at the top, and then Sportsbit was like, "Okay, do you want to withdraw oh your money gosh. for I don't know, like two hundred dollars, whatever?" <gasps> and I'm like, "No, nah, Dami's gonna win." Oh my <laughs> and then the last minute, was it I Russia, know. Ukraine, Ukraine yeah. just jumped out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> I what? know, I know, that was that was insane. Yeah. That I was... think yeah, Australia was <sighs> really glued to that, especially that <laughs> year. Something about that season that year made it so magical. I'm not sure what it was, but you know, you did. It was Dami. It was Dami. (laughs) (laughs) And you you did so well. And after you finished Eurovision, did you get any opportunities to even go overseas, any record deals or anything? So afterwards, um, there were, you know, chances to, you know, do more stuff in the UK. But I think, you know, like the biggest thing for me is like I, I built such a big fan base around the world through that opportunity because my song charted everywhere and uh, I still have fans that come over to my shows from Europe. Like I have actually I have a guy from Poland coming over wow. to my show, the Melbourne show on Saturday, which is a, a long way. Um, but yeah, I think like I had I, I went back a few times, but mm. I think it's like I feel like now is only now I'm sort of feeling ready to go back out there again. And you know, is it true? I read somewhere that um, after Eurovision, obviously you're like wanted everywhere. But at the advice of, you know, your managers and the record label and stuff to go overseas to promote, you actually wanted to go to, I think it was Uganda, do a concept for Compassion. Was that correct? Yeah. Well, so what happened was before I knew that I was going to Eurovision, we had planned this trip to Uganda with Compassion. It was like a yearly thing. And it was locked in. And then Eurovision came up and it was going to be just before that trip. So my you know everybody around me they they asked me like do you still want to do you want do you want me to cancel the trip because you're gonna you know have lots of opportunities and you want to take advantage of that but then I thought well I can't really because this is like a commitment and also I felt like it was the perfect chance to bring more attention to the work of compassion and I was like that that sort of made sense for me I was like well maybe it's God's way of planning this in such a perfectly timed way that, you know, Eurovision gives me you know, more meaning because I get to do, you know, help the work of compassion. And yeah, to me, it was fine. Like that the was, right, It was the right decision. Yeah, it felt I right. knew yeah. It, it was 100% the right thing and I felt great. Like I, I had so many kids sponsored that year and, and uh, so many people watched me uh, and, you know, go through the slums of Uganda and see the work that Compassion does. And that was really, does, it was priceless. Does Compassion give you numbers of like, after you've done a concert on Facebook or whatever, that you've got this many signups for sponsorships and stuff? Do they give you that kind of feedback? Not immediately, but they, um, yeah, they tell you, but like normally it's, you know, it just builds up over time. But they said, oh, like some, some hundreds of people just got, you know, kids just got sponsored they they would give me updates from time to time so it's really special that's really good 
And going back to X Factor, I think there was actually two defining moments Phil and I were actually talking about. Mm, yeah, as, as a, I guess like as an Australian, Asian Australian, you know, we don't really get many representation on TV. And I was telling Thomas the other day that on TV, I can only think of two moments in my life where I actually felt really proud being an Asian. And that was when Guy Sebastian won Australian <laughs> Idol. And then when you won X Factor as well. And then whenever I go back to Cambodia or like have family visiting, whatever, I feel like I'm most proud of showing your performances on X Factor to them. Like, <laughs> like as an Australian, you know, like, you know, we're multi, I want to show them yeah. that we're multicultural, like there's diversity in our culture as well. And I feel like, yeah, that, that moment when you won meant so much to people like us. So, Aww. yeah. And I, and I said this to your Aww. concert as well when, when I saw you last time. I didn't think you remember. <laughs> but, but yeah, I feel like there's so many people in the same boat as me and Tom who look up to you because you've done such a great work Aww, representing so nice. her to us. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, when I was on X Factor, I had so many people tell me, uh, or like even afterwards, they're like, hey, Dami, I didn't want to tell you this before, but we thought you should win, but we thought you're not going to win because Australia is not ready for an Asian winner. Mm, that's yep. true. Yep. You know? Yeah. But then I did. Yeah, and you did. And it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> there you go. Like people still supported me and I'm Asian and like that, I guess – Things are changing yeah, slowly. That's true. Yeah. Do you ever read Twitter comments, Twitter trolls? Because when you're on the show, especially after you won, um, a lot of people are saying you shouldn't have won because you're Asian. <sighs> this is Australian X Factor, whatever. Yeah. Do you ever read those comments or? Yeah, I read everything. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't. Yeah. I shouldn't. Do you ever? How do you feel after reading those comments? Like, do you just put them aside or? Well, sometimes it was frustrating because they'd be like, oh, why is a Chinese singer winning the Australian <laughs> oh X? I'm like, dude, yeah. like, at least get the facts right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, like, there, there were, like, rumours that, like, oh, all the people in her country voted for her. I'm like, no, sorry, like, I wish they do, but no one cares. Like, it's expensive <laughs> to vote from Korea, <laughs> exactly. man. Exactly. And, like, I think Koreans, yeah, not many Koreans actually voted because they're cheap. Like, yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, but you know, I won, so yeah. it's all good. And when you went back to Korea, how proud were people in Korea of you? People were, yeah, really proud. Like they they didn't know at first, but when they found out, it became like big headlines, news, big yeah. news, like this, yeah, Korean-Australian won the Australian X Factor. And yeah, people were fascinated. Yeah. Especially your family, they tune in every week. Oh yeah, my family was so proud. And then, and then when uh, you know we had like the TV crew come to Korea to like do you know little doco on us, and they were like all dressed up the same, and like you know they're doing they loved being on TV. Like my whole relatives, all my aunties and my grandma, they cooked a feast and they're like singing the the songs. (laughs) Yeah, clean the house. Like yeah, totally like fake everything. (laughs) I think for me, my defining moment was when you sang one. On the top 12, I think you that's when you went viral. You were on um, oh, yeah. trending on Hello K pop on Twitter. Oh, and really? after, yeah, after you won as well, um, you also went on Star King. And for those who don't know what Star King is, it's like a variety <laughs> show where a lot of K pop artists, a lot of K pop singers, actors that come on. Um, you're also on The Masked Singer as well. <laughs> Are you on The Masked Singer Australia, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you got an ask this like, the whole week. Yeah, oh my gosh. I think everyone's being asked that, all the singers or different people. Yeah. Well, I'm no. going to say that you're white on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
mm, oh, so <laughs> I don't, don't want to disappoint people. But yeah, I was in the original one. Yes. <laughs> so initially after you won X Factor, you went back to Korea and did lots of promotion there. Was that something that you wanted to do or was it something that your management and record label wanted you to do? In Korea? Yeah, in Korea, yeah. Because well, you like, even released a Korean version of Super Love. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I wanted to do stuff in Korea because, you know, it kind of means a lot because that's where your family is. So when I do all the different stuff, all the cool things in Australia, they don't take as much it. notice, yeah. you know? They're just like, okay, cool. But then when I do something tiny in Korea, they're like, wow, that's, you know, so great. I'm going to come, you know? So, uh, yeah, like I, I took all the opportunities to do things there and whenever I, I'd go anywhere to visit my family. So every excuse to go, I would just go. Mm, and in Korean k-pop culture a lot of the girls there they have porcelain skin they have great big eyes mm. what is your opinion on the south korean beauty standard well well you know every culture has their different standards you know and uh, you know yeah every it's not just korean culture but i think every culture does have it i, I feel like sometimes korean culture beauty standards are a little more rigid and because I think it's not as multicultural as Australia or some of the other countries so people just expect like this one type of look I think it's changing a lot as well um, there's more different looking people I see coming up which is amazing yeah but I think yeah growing up I always felt like I'll never be you know good enough I'll always be the ugly one in Korea like that was a big you know thing for me I just felt yeah mm. it's it always made me feel very self-conscious and, you know, in that way I feel lucky that I live here because then, it, you know, I'm just, I just look different to other people. Mm. Like everyone looks different here, so it's, it's okay. Yeah. Whereas Korea, yeah, you, I think there's a bit more pressure to look a certain way. Yeah, in Korea, in China, a lot of my Chinese and my Korean friends, they even get um, graduation presents, which is getting plastic surgery. Mm. So it is a lot of, I guess... The standard in Asian cultures is quite high. And do you think it's come becoming a little bit unrealistic or? Yeah, I mean, from an you know outsider point of view, like someone living here, you know, it does feel like, wow, it's, it's a bit much. But then when you actually go live in that particular culture, just get used to it. Like it's, I don't know, like I see friends who live like from Korea, they come to Australia and live here for a while and they become very like natural and like unkempt sort of yep. like ooh, very <laughs> natural. Ten, ten step beauty mask. Or... Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, very relaxed, but then they go back to Korea and suddenly they're like super beautiful. Like they lose heaps of weight, like very like toned, <laughs> toned body and perfect hair and makeup and you're like whoa what happened you know so it's like just different standards and I guess Korean people they take their beauty really seriously I feel like Asian parents Asian aunties are the worst I remember when I was growing <laughs> up like my aunts and uncles would say oh you're so chubby yeah <laughs> your eyes are so yes. small and then when you grow up as an adult you kind of that kind of like follows you yes yeah. like, yeah. oh, I'm chubby <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the first thing that my aunt would say, you've gotten bigger, you're getting too skinny, are you eating? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it is cemented quite in Asian culture that I guess your aesthetics is one of the top priority because they associate with getting into a relationship, you're successful, if you're beautiful, you have a success successful life, so it's okay. Yeah. yeah. I think they're trying to look out for you. Yeah. 
but then you know, and it has good intentions. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, your skin's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. You look a bit older today. <laughs> and post winning the X Factor as well, um, your whole journey has been quite incredible, and it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Has any of your close friends or relatives kind of pulled you aside, even Noah, and shared any concerns for you, or they've been very supportive? Mm, well. Yeah, I think Noah, he's been very supportive the whole time. Uh, but yes, from time to time, he'd say, you know, don't don't get too caught up in the whole thing because I get really obsessed with certain things and I'd be like trying to get something done, like getting a song finished or like I have a goal and if it's not going to plan, I'd be like, ah, like pulling my hair out. And he said, you know, like he's just worried that like, you know, that I'm not happy and enjoying the process and I think – all he wants is for me to just have fun and enjoy it. Whereas for me, I'm like, if I'm always enjoying it, I'm not going to get anywhere. So I'm going to push myself. <laughs> I'm going to try my best. It's okay. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I kind of, being stressed is part of this. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's similar to me too. Like working with Sue, um, he's always told me, enjoy the journey as much as you can. Because when you're in it, even watching a lot of interviews where people have made it, they kind of regret not being in the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's just a keep go, 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 go kind of feel. Yeah, that's, that's hard, hey? Like when you're, you're still going after your goal and you're pursuing something and you're obsessed with it, but then, yeah, you do want to be able to enjoy it and also look at how far you've come from your old self, you know? And, yeah, I guess that's something I've got to try and do more of. How, how do you manage your relationship with Noah? Because you're always touring, so how do you guys manage your relationship? Uh, sometimes he's he comes with he comes me. With Not all the time. He's busy. But I guess just trying to communicate more, you know, just talk about everything, update him on everything. And, yeah, like just keeping him in the loop, I guess, is my main key. Because like, he's very, like, interested in everything that I do and, you know, all the different things I'm going after. And, yeah, I think that the the, the most important thing is just – always talking and keeping that Does he ever tell you to stop open. singing? Stop <laughs> like, singing? Yeah, oh, shut like, up, yeah. you <laughs> No, that I'd kick him out of the house. Because <laughs> Thomas, because I'm always hanging with Thomas, he is always singing, yeah. always practicing. Oh, really? Make, making all these weird sounds, like barking sounds, cat sounds. And uh, so I have to put some, like, sometimes I just have to put some rap music just so you can't sing. Wow. No, it's because I'm trying to... Break Bark. my mix, get into my mix voice. Oh, you're practicing. So when, when, practicing when, when I'm training with you, she's like, sing like this. I'm like, okay. But it's the sound doesn't sound very pleasant, but it's like a technique. I'm trying to get my yeah, voice yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, exactly, yeah. We need to talk about your new song because that's an incredible song. And I feel like it's your first song where you've been really honest, like completely like honest about your feelings and about how you've been going through trying to hide, I guess, like, your sadness and the troubles that you went through. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that song, what, what it means to you? So, um, yeah, it's called Crying Underwater um, because when you're crying underwater, you can't tell whether mm. you're crying or not. And, yeah, I wrote it after having this conversation with my friend Mike Tan. Um, was saying, you know, it's these days like so many people go through this sadness or depression and they find it really hard to tell anybody about it because you just feel like there is so much pressure to look like you're happy and everything's going fine, you know. And with social media these days, like, you just look and people are like, yeah, having the best life, blessed, you know. 
and you and you scroll through and you feel like oh i'm the only one going through this like sadness and you almost feel ashamed for being not happy all the time and i've been through that myself you know many times and i've had that myself where uh, i'm not feeling great and i feel really sad and that's a normal part of being human but you know i can't really tell people because it's really embarrassing as well so yeah that's how the song started and crying underwater that's that's what it's about mm. and that was released independently is that correct mm-hmm. are you considered an independent artist now or yeah so i i released through the orchard which is part of sony but it's still yeah independent was it a scary decision to go independent like what kind of what kind of pros and cons is there working with a record label versus working independently well yeah i've been with sony for a long time since x factor and you know like it's 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 some of it's really great and like i got some really good opportunities through it it's 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 amazing but then also it it was just time for me to do what i really was passionate about and um i guess you know if i stayed then they you know i i would have to do another covers record which i want did yeah. not want to do and i said okay i'm i'm going to please um yeah it's time for me to to, to leave and and uh you know choose what i really really want to do and and uh they agreed to that and you know so crying underwater here crying we underwater, are yeah. <laughs> I, I was listening to your song this morning called dreamer and it's a beautiful song i just want to quote a few lyrics because i feel like there's a line that really resonated with me. i just want to read it back to you and i want you to tell me what this song's about so it's called, well, the line was, I'm not that stupid, don't need your advice. And I have a vision and I know the price. If I had to battle, I'll fight it to the end because I know what I want, I know who I am. I'm a dreamer, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she sings a bit of Yeah, Dreamer was like the song where I was like, I've had enough. This is, you know, I'm going to live my own life and I'm going to make my own decisions for my career. You know, no one can tell me what to do. Ah. Um, yeah, I was just, I guess, fed up with so many people like just trying to control me and yeah, like. Are these just like people just telling you what you should be doing in your career? Like you should go tour in Europe next month or something like that. Is that. Every, everything. And yeah, mainly, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She looks, she's (laughs) looking back at her manager. (laughs) No, I just, I just, I guess, um. Just wanted to say, hmm, when I first started, when I first was on X Factor, I had no idea what I wanted to do, except that I wanted to sing. I didn't know how or what and what kind of music. And then a few years on, I was like, okay, I I actually have a much better understanding of who I am, what I want to do. And I've been a songwriter since I was a teenager, but after being signed to a label, like I just had, I felt so much pressure to write in a certain way and I couldn't write properly anymore, you know, like from my heart. Like it, it was just really hard. Something was blocked. You must be, you must get, feel the pressure to write like pop hits, right? Like yeah, radio I mean, music. That too. And it's not even someone saying you must write a pop hit. It's also, I guess a lot of it I put on myself, mm. you know, oh, like it better sound like what's on right, the radio. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I never had to think about that. So for a long time, I found it really hard to write like I used to from my heart. And then when I wrote Dreamer, that was when I started to go, hang on a second, like I'm just going to spill it all out there. And I just 
no filter, blah, 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 rah. And that was, that was my, you know, like my few moment. Yeah. (laughs) That moment that finally snapped. And I guess like after that, you know, that's when it started to, everything that started to flood, like the floodgates were open kind of thing, you know? Absolutely. And before we came up with a lot of these questions, we also, we know that your Dami Army is a very loyal fan base as well. We did ask them some questions to ask <laughs> you if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so from uh, Jessica Lowe, she asked us, what is your favourite Korean restaurant in Seoul? Seoul. Seoul. <laughs> uh, favourite restaurant in Seoul? Ooh. Which, Ooh. Which, where do you like to go? There's this, um, there's this place that uh, is really, really hard to find. And I took Ken there, my <laughs> manager, and he thought I was taking him to kidnap him and kill, <laughs> sell his organs. Um, <laughs> because it was be like, yeah, it's not, not a nice area, like very old and like, you know, messy, but you find it and there's this like a chicken soup restaurant in Dongdaemun and uh, it's called <laughs> Takamari. <laughs> Uh, Grandma Chinhokwa. Oh uh, if you know, you know. And uh, yeah, it's like this very simple. They only do one dish. It's like boiled chicken with like kimchi. And yes. it's was it one of those restaurants that's under a tent? Or was it like. No, they've, I think they started off as, as a tent, but then they, they made so much money. It's like a little building, but it's in this like area where there's just like messy and there's like fish being fried on the streets and the smell, beautiful smell, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, that's, that's, that's the one. <laughs> so Jessica actually has another question for you. Okay. So the question is, do you miss having a fringe? And then she writes... I've been mistaken by fans and newspaper photographs of being dummy thanks oh, to my fringe. I don't fringe. look like anything like her. I've got a picture here if you want to see it. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. So tell us. Do I don't look like fringe? that anymore. <laughs> you don't even look like her. You look completely different. But, but well, yeah. I can see why people thought she looked like me though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that used to be my look. Um, I don't miss my fringe, hey. It, fringes are so annoying to mm. keep. Like, if you had one, you'd know. Like, girls this, with straight fringes, it just does not like to stay. It parts. It opens like a little <laughs> curtain, and it's you gotta like brush it and do everything, blow dry it. It's just not my thing. Oh, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, fringes. So, <laughs> the next question from Leah Michelle: What was the first album you bought, and also what is your favorite song from Shiny? Ah. First album that I bought, um, I mean, it's got to be like a K-pop cassette. <laughs> was it Boa? No, Boa was like, I was a teenager by then. So the first one was more like, um, what did I buy? Oh, actually with my own money, I guess Boa would be. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if anyone knows, there's a girl called Pinker. They were big like in the 90s. Um, was it the same generation as Wax? I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Like yeah. <laughs> so old. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was like my cousins were so into it. They're like a couple of years older than me. They used to buy Pinkler and SES. So those ones, yes. And favorite shiny song? Shiny song? I don't really know a lot of shiny songs. What do you guys know? Oh, well, Ring Ding Dong. Ring Ding Dong. <laughs> that's ding the most dong. famous yeah, one, most isn't famous it? One. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ring Ding Dong. Yes, that's a go. There we go. <laughs> and the last question is from Jonathan. He's from America. He asks, do you plan to release a full-length album soon? And what kind of sound can we expect from it? Yes, I'm working on an album and I'm going to drop it next year. 
Yeah. Um, the sound, I guess, is would be, you know, crying underwater is probably the good, like, example of where I'm heading. Um, but, yeah, I'll be dropping some more singles before the album, so you guys will hear that. Can't wait. And do we have anything that we can expect from you in the future as well, or...? Um... <laughs> There's a bit of a batter in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, love to collaborate with different people. Um, one, one of your fans asked if you wanted, if you would ever collaborate with a rap artist. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Do just my dollar sign. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or like, yeah, or just uh, in, invite Cardi B or something. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Do you want to rap on my track? <laughs> we'll get it on the remix for Crying Underwater. Get yeah. It on the remix oh here. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Don. We're out of time. How can we find you on your Instagram and Facebook? Uh, just search Dami Im on Insta, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and you'll find me. And check out her song on Spotify and Opportunes. Yes. And Apple iTunes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's been fun. Thanks for listening. Join the hundreds of other people who have connected with us on Facebook and also follow us on at Lemon Podcast to see what goes on behind the scenes on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on whichever platform you're listening to. Also, leave us a five-star review so we can reach more ears. We will see you guys back next week. Bye-bye.